Yeah, so when Mel told me that this was the this, this series, I thought, you know, what on earth am I, this is kind of a bizarre series for a guest speaker to speak into. And so I started to think about, you know, Exodus. I'm like, well, maybe I could, I could speak on, you know, the plagues, you know, Tuesday, chance of locusts, right? Wednesday, 80% chance frogs, like, uh, but I thought, nah, that's not really going to work. And, uh, and so where I kind of landed in, in my heart and in my mind was um, to talk a little bit about just a couple of storms that, that take place, actual storms that take place in the Bible, because weather report, right? That seemed to make sense. Uh, as Mel said, um, uh, Brody Jesperson, been doing this for a long time, love what I get to do. Uh, I do, uh, I share some of the teaching load at our church, and I, I love, you know, illuminating, opening up God's Word uh, with our congregation and with other congregations like this. This is just a real gift and an honor uh, to get to be with you here. I never thought I'd be doing something like this, in all honesty, with my life. Um, I was a kid who grew up far from faith. My family uh, are all unbelievers, and so, uh, you know, doing what I do, it's, it's not what they would have expected in my life, but I, I think they're happy with me. I think they're proud of me. I tell myself that so that I don't have a complex and major daddy issues anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> One thing, uh, I'm just going to be like, we're going to go like right now, right fast, like super personal. And it might feel like, whoa, what's this guy doing? But uh, there's a point to it and there's a reason for it. Uh, but I want you to know that, that when, I'm, when I'm sharing this with you this morning, uh, that, that I'm first speaking this, and I have over the last two years, spoken this message, preached this message to myself uh, on numerous occasions. Okay, So this is a message that, that I'm not just here to say, here's what you need to do. This is what you need to, to dive into. This is what you need to hear from the Lord. Uh, this has truly been something that I've been wrestling with and needing to, to process and walk through on a consistent basis uh, over this last little bit. So secret about me, uh, I don't handle adversity uh, well at all. Period. Like I'm, uh, my wife, she will tell you uh, through and through, I am terrible when things get stressful. Uh, and, and the reason for that is not because I'm just like a massive baby. Uh, the reason for that is I'm a, I'm a real control freak. Uh, and so when things start to go a little bit sideways or out of control, it's an immediate uh, uh, emotional trigger within me that says, uh, like, grip tighter, go harder. Uh, you've got to, and it just causes a, a real deep sense of, of anxiety and stress uh, in my life. Uh, so, so I like to have a handle on everything. I like to be the one who's in control of my own destiny always. Maybe you can relate, maybe not. Uh, but when things go sideways uh, and something happens which is out and beyond my control, which I hate, I struggle. And often in times, uh, which if you're like me and you have any of those control freak perfectionist tendencies, <laughs> you know that, that sometimes your, your best laid efforts, your best laid plans still go sideways and it leads us to a place where we feel uh, like things are a little bit rough. And I find myself uh, at those times in my darkest and deepest moments, finally then, uh, kind of approaching God, right? He's often for me, uh, at least on my, on my end, uh, kind of the last place that I turn to, right? After I've exhausted all of my own energy, uh, everything that I could throw at, whatever the situation is, finally I'll get to the place where I, where I turn to God and I ask him, usually at that point, something, a question that, that sounds kind of like this, where are you? Where are you, right? Like, don't you see what's going on here with me? Don't you see all that, that I'm struggling with? Don't you see the trouble that I'm, where are you? And, and do you even care, right? 
See, my confused and and often very sin-filled view of God uh, leads me to believe and think that, that if things are tough, that must mean that God isn't present, or even worse, that God just doesn't care. Okay, because why would he let this happen to begin with? And so I wonder for you, if you can relate, uh, if you've ever found yourself asking a question that goes something like that, God, where are you? God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't sense you. I don't, I don't feel you. Where are you in this? I wonder if you've ever felt just those, those emotions of, of feeling totally and utterly alone. And then wondering, maybe even a little darker, if, if there was a God, then certainly he's made it clear that, that he just doesn't care or he's just abandoned you altogether. Or how about the, the natural emotions that, that rise up? How about feeling angry at God? I wonder if you've ever been angry with, with God and found yourself in, in your moments with him crying out, God, why would you let something like this happen? Why would you have ever done this? Why, is this your character? Is this who, like, just those real deep frustrations. So my story. Over the last two years, I've been on a, a fairly significant journey with all of this. Uh, so a year and a half ago, I was sitting in a psychiatrist's office because I had hit truly rock bottom, uh, where I was diagnosed at that time with a generalized phobia, or sorry, a specific phobia. And it had stemmed entirely from some perfectionistic tendencies in my life. Uh, but for months, literally months, uh, I was immobilized. Uh, I, was, I was out of commission. I was, I was overridden with a deep, deep fear, worry, and anxiety. And I seemed to be just in this, in this dark word spiral downward, not seeming to be able to pull myself out of it. And believe me, I tried. I did a lot of things that I thought, I just need to do this. I just need to pray this. I just need to believe this. If I can just do this, then I'll be able to overcome this. But I was just going deeper and deeper and deeper. And I was scared. I, I, was, I was really scared. I'd never experienced anything like this in my life. Our family hasn't really experienced anything like this. And so I was really scared. It was causing me to lose a, a ton of sleep. I, I lost a ton of productivity in the workplace. Uh, and it created a whole lot of stress actually in my home. And I think our oldest son is actually starting to, to grapple with some of the realities of what he witnessed and watched over that last year and a half as well. And so during some of that darkest and, and, and those, those deepest, hardest days and, and weeks and months, I remember on numerous occasions crying out to God, asking why. Why? What, what has happened in my mind that, that this is now going on? Where are you in all of this, God? Why are you not fixing this? Why are you not changing this? Why are you not making this better or easier on me or for me? And again, I wonder if any of you might relate. Here's the deal. Uh, this morning, I'm going to let you in on, on kind of my big idea right off the top, okay? So we're just going to get it out there, get it out of the way. It's going to be there. I'm going to remind you of it a few times. But if you leave here today having heard nothing else, I hope that you very clearly hear this, okay? God never promised to keep you from the storms, but he promises to be with us through them, Okay? We've never been promised, we've never been given assurance that, hey, life's going to be easy. In fact, it was the opposite. Jesus said, like, trouble is going to come. You're going to face hardships in this world. He prayed to the Father on our behalf on that reality. Uh, so God never promises us an easy life. God never says you're going to be uh, uh, free from, from hurt and pain and disaster and sorrow. Not at all. God never promised to keep us from the storms, but he promises to be with us and to go with us through them. 
See, I still struggle with this bit of a twisted view uh, that God should let me have an easy, stress, and carefree life, right? I mean, I, I, I literally professionally do this every day for him. So the least he can do, right, is make things just a little bit lighter, a little bit easier on me of all people. And so I think uh, even though uh, I think this way, even though I know that his word tells me that I should literally expect and anticipate the opposite. But I think if I can just do my part, that surely God in the very least should be able to do his part, right? In the very least, he should do what I can't control on my own, right? Because I'm going to do everything I can to control all that I want to control. But the little bit that's left for God to, the very least, he could do, you know, just something for that to cause life to be a little bit easier for me. And so the text that we're going we're gonna to camp on is, is a vivid story. It's a profound narrative uh, that, that hopefully is going to help us again see that God never promised to keep us from the storms. But he promises to be with us through them. So if you have a Bible with you or a a device, a tablet, a phone that has a a Bible on it, I would encourage you at this point, open them up. Go to uh, the Gospel of Mark in chapter 4, okay? Would love to have you there with that in front of you following along. Uh, That's significant. So go to Mark chapter 4. Uh, starting at verse 35, okay? And we're going to dive right in here. I'm going to be reading from the New Living because that's just my favorite. Uh, Here's what it says. As evening came, uh, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. Soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Now, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. For even the wind and the waves obey him. Now this is God's word. There's so much that I love about this story that's been captured for us by the gospel writer Mark. I love the profound picture that's painted for us. Uh, We see so clearly both the divinity, the full divinity of Jesus, and also the humanity of Jesus. Both of these are on display for us here. This is the, the only place in the entirety of scripture that we find God, Jesus, having a sleep, taking a nap. And his resting reveals for us this reality that he was fully human. He was God in a real physical human body, a body that grew tired, that needed rest. Jesus was worn out from the ministry of the last few days. And so this story shows us his humanity, but at the same time, we see clearly on display his absolute and total divinity in that this man, Jesus, was able to calm a storm, to subdue the chaos of creation with his very own words simply spoken. I love the contrasting experience as well of the storm uh, between the disciples who are going through it and Jesus himself, right? I mean, we have the disciples coming to Jesus and they're freaked out and they ask him, I have to assume rather facetiously, they say, don't you care that we're going to drown? (laughs) 
Now, I work with teenagers, and I can just feel and see all the teenage sass in this comment, right? Like, don't you care? We're about to die. Don't you even care about this? No, in Matthew's record record of, of this event, the disciples cry out, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. So ultimately, uh, these guys are, are terrified. From their human perspective, the boat is about to go under. All the while that their leader is fast asleep in the back of the boat. So that's their perception, their perspective, the fear, the anxiety, the stress, the worry that's going on in them. But on the other hand, we have Jesus' experience of the storm, right? It, we, see, we see it so clearly. And I love the small little detail that, that Mark uh, has included for us. Like it was intentional, I truly believe, that he included the fact that Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. A cushion. And a cushion, like it just, it tells me that Mark wants to convey that this dude was totally cool, calm, and relaxed, entirely. It's like he was saying, you know, Jesus was cuddled up on the lazy boy by the fire. Like that's the message Mark is trying to convey. He's just out cold in total relaxation, sleeping his very best life, right? And this is such a profound visual for us to grasp. That in the middle of the storm, surrounded by chaos, when our response naturally is fear and trepidation, Jesus is still. He's not swayed by the storms in this world and the storms of of our life. Now, let me make something very clear. This does not mean that he doesn't care about the chaos and the storms in our life. It just means that they don't actually cause him to panic. They don't cause him to be afraid. They don't cause him to worry. And they don't even surprise him. We can clearly see why that is. It's simply because Jesus himself is bigger than the storms. I mean, you saw that, right? Now, if we're, if we're totally honest, our standard response to the storms is probably a lot like that of the disciples, isn't it? Or maybe you all here at Ellerslie Road Baptist are just way more spiritual than me. But I know for me that my natural response, what comes naturally and automatic to me in times of chaos, in times of fear, is, is to be just like the disciples in the story, Right? At the beginning of our our time together, I shared with you how personally I've been through a fairly profound storm. I'm still in the middle of it in a lot of ways. And I know, I know that that I've created and caused a lot of it in in my own life. It's been self-inflicted in a lot of ways. I'm notorious for taking on uh, way too much, for saying yes and not thinking about that, or thinking about all that saying yes actually means. Uh, I think I was actually near the edge of, of burnout I just turned 35, so at 33, I was already at a place of like, I think, I'm, I think I'm burning out. And of course, it's when you find yourself totally overwhelmed and, and on the edge of, you know, disaster that it seems like at those moments, everything else starts to get piled on too, right? Like that's just, just what happens. Everything else gets stacked up where you find yourself surrounded every day, stepping into something that's just like yet another thing, yet another, of course, this is what's going to happen. Of course, this is what we're going to be going through. I remember after one of my counseling sessions, uh, I, I came back to the church that night and we had a youth ministry experience and and both I had I had the police at our church that night for two different scenarios one was was a lady had shown up and she was completely inebriated and I chased her out into the parking lot to try and prevent her from driving away uh, and, and at the same time we had a fist fight and it was like 
Of course. Of course this is just what happens. Of course this is, this is what's going to take place. I remember praying. Uh, we, had, we had had some transition in our staffing, and I remember sitting with, uh, with my senior high pastor, and I said, you know what? In this season when we're going to be kind of doing the junior high stuff on top of our normal daily life job stuff, we just need to pray. We need to ask God that he just wouldn't put anything else extra, right? Like we know that all the extra stuff, let's just ask that God would just help us to do just the normal stuff. And four days later, I got a call from a good friend of mine that his 21-year-old son had died. And he asked me to come and do the funeral. And I just went, God, what are you doing? Like, are you serious? And so it's crazy. And I don't know if you've ever gone through, you know, depression, anxiety, phobias, anything like that before. But it's insane how your whole body starts to react to worry, right? Like, it's not just the fear in your mind. Like, physically, you start to respond. My body was physically responding and reacting to the worry and the fear. It was my mind that took on the biggest hit. And I found myself, and still do to a certain degree, really wrestling. But at its core... I know this, at least for me, was a complex that says, I need to fix this. I need to fix this. I've got to do what I can do to fix this. It's this, this power struggle that goes on in every situation between my need and desire to overcome everything that's thrown at me and towards me. And when I finally can't seem to pull myself up and out of the water anymore, and I'm on the verge of drowning, that I cry out, don't you even care that we're going to drown? Don't you even care that I'm going to drown? And so much like the disciples, I look towards Jesus and I ask, Jesus, do you see what's going on around here? Like, are you, are you present? Are you awake? Are you watching? Are you with me here? Don't you care that I'm going to drown? And again, maybe you can relate. Maybe you came here this morning and you would identify, yeah, I'm in the middle right now of one of those storms in my life. And you find yourself asking Jesus if he sees what's taking place for you as well. Or maybe even a little darker and a little more personal, if he can see what's going on, if you believe he's present because his word says that he is, you believe that and you ascribe it to your situation. If you believe that he's present, but you're still in that stress, then maybe a little bit darker you're questioning and wondering, Jesus, do you even care? Are you, are you allowing this to happen? Is this some sort of game that you're playing? I need to be reminded constantly, and again, maybe you need to be too, this truth as well, over and over and over, that God never promised to keep us from the storms, but he promises to be with us through them. We see this in, in a profound way in this story, Right? See, I believe that, that God sees. I, I really do. I believe that, that, that God cares. I, I believe that God is, is here with you. He's there with it through you. I believe that, that he, in those moments, is asking us and in, inviting us to, to not be afraid and, and to stand and to have faith because he gives you his presence and he understands your situation. Todd, you shared your story. You, you would attest to this. This was, this was your journey at nine years old. You could feel, I heard you say that as you got into the tank. I felt God. God was with me. Not just, you know, God as, as an emotion, a feeling, but as a person and through community, God journeyed alongside of you. This is the powerful truth and reality of the incarnation of God, the, the ultimate creator and sustainer of the entire universe becoming fully man in order to be like us, to be with us and to perfectly rescue us. And we see this all so clearly in and through this story. See, the context of, of the surroundings, or the, the context that's surrounding this story 
is that Jesus and his, his disciples have, have just spent a day teaching at the lake shore, and they've been surrounded the entire day by this extremely large crowd. And Jesus had been telling those who were gathered many of his most uh, famous parables, and then debriefing with the disciples after what the meaning of those parables were. And then at the end of the day, just as the, the evening you know darkness was starting to fall, he tells his disciples that we need to set out into the water. Jesus and Think about the broader context of the story here. We just said it. Jesus in this moment is also fully divine here. Which to me, I I think you can make a a pretty profound case to say that that Jesus would have been very well aware that that there was a mighty storm that would be blowing in, right? Or at least he was very well aware of the possibility of such a storm in that area that he has been part of, the one that created that area, right? See, these storms were really gnarly. The Sea of Galilee was surrounded on, on all sides by hills except to the southern area where the Jordan would exit. And with certain wind patterns, uh, uh, air would funnel up into the lake and it would actually get trapped, creating these quick and, and radically violent storms. It was a familiar occurrence to the, to the sea there. And we have to remember as well that, that the guys that Jesus is on the boat with, at least for, for half of them, <laughs> they were career fishermen. They'd spent a lot of their lives on boats, right? And I don't know if you've, I've been on a couple cruise ships um, and, and I love the rock of the water, right? We were on, on one boat, I don't know where it was, in the ocean somewhere. Um, but we had a massive storm blow in for about a day and a half, and I loved it, right? Like, if I could have been on the edge any closer, like, it's just... But, like, that's a, that's a city on the, on the water, right? Like, those waves, though big, the massive size of that boat, it can, it can em- it embrace them, experience them. Like, you're not, you're not going to flip that boat over, right? The, the, the boat that, that these guys would have been on would have been an extremely small fishing vessel, right? Handmade, right? Wooden. Uh, it's not something that would have easily handled these large swells. And again, like they know this, this lake. They would have been on this sea for different storms. They've spent much of their lives on it up until this point. These were their waters. They would fish on them all through the night at times. And so to see them in this moment, as scared as they are, I have to believe, I have to assume that this was a really bad storm. Like this was a really big one. And yet Jesus, he tells them, hey, let's go out into the water, right? Let's go out. We need to set out into the sea. He tells them we're going to go out in the sea knowing very well that they could encounter this horrific storm. So again, hear me again. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. God never promises to keep us from the storms. But he always promises to be with us through them. And so on the verge of capsizing and drowning the disciples, they're afraid. And so they wake up Jesus again in in panic and desperation. And again, look at what happened. Mark 34, verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly, or your translation might say instantly, the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the wind and the waves obey him? 
Now, I love this about this story, right? And maybe you haven't looked at it in this way or seen it in this lens before. But the disciples, they were scared, right? They were scared of the reality of the storm. They were afraid of the wind and the waves and the tossing of their boat. But then do you see their response? Do you see the, 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 the emotional response to seeing the radical power that was readily available to this man? Mark records that after... After Jesus has calmed the storm, after the water is still, after the chaos that's surrounding them has come to a halt, after that, now they're absolutely terrified. And my guess is that that Mark recorded this to emphasize that, yeah, the wind and the waves, that was scary to them, but that fear was dwarfed by the picture of absolute power that's available to this man named Jesus. You see, they don't yet fully understand who Jesus is. We know that. They don't know that there's these two distinct essences of Jesus. And and we see this in the fact that they say, who's this man? They haven't come to, we haven't had the moment yet where they've realized, oh, you are the son of God. You are God with us here and now. And so they're wrestling. They're not understanding this. This is one of the profound pictures that they see that will lead them to that place, but they don't know it yet. And so they ask, who is this man that even wind and waves, they obey what he says? See, my friends, Jesus was able to sleep. He was able to, to rest and, and sleep peacefully with his head on a cushion because he's got it. He's got it. See, as we have the benefit of knowing now as readers 2,000 years later that Jesus is also so much more than a man, right? And he knows he's, he's got it. He's in total and absolute control. Even the the, the most terrifying, the most anxiety-producing, the most panic-inducing storms of our lives, he's in control. And so the challenge for us is is simple, but it's also really hard and complex, and I get that because I'm in it. But it's just to trust him and to rest on him, knowing that he's got it, believing that he's got it, believing that he won't ultimately let us totally drown. But again... I think we'd all agree that it's a whole lot easier to to say that. It's a whole lot easier for me to get up here and say, this is what you need to do, than to actually put it into practice. To, To, in the middle of the storm, take peace and comfort and find rest, knowing that God himself is still in total control. And so typically, I think there's there's one of three responses that we have when it comes to the storms in our lives. The first one, very common, is that we give up or that we give in to the storms, Okay. So we look at the the chaos that's surrounding us, whatever it is that we're finding ourselves within, and we assume that because there is a storm, that in and of itself is evidence of the fact that, that God must not exist at all, or if he does, he doesn't care, because if God did exist, why would there be this storm? Or worse, if he does exist and we find ourselves surrounding the storm, then we assume that it must mean that he doesn't care about us all. And so often, one of the responses is that we get hopeless. And that hopelessness uh, allows us to just kind of go deeper, to sink further, to go harder down. And what happens often, unfortunately, is we look for really destructive ways to cope with the fear and the anxiety of the storm. We assume that because this is just the way it is and nothing matters anyway and God doesn't care or isn't here, then however I choose to sedate myself through the pain of this reality is, is okay. And, and we see this all the time, right? 
I mean, this is our natural human response of, of coping. We want to be away from, like, like anxiety is, is actually a, a God-given, you know, part of our, of our psyche. It's part of our, it's, it's fight or flight. It's, it's designed within us, part of our, our design and DNA. But we don't like to feel it. We don't like to be in it. And so if there's ways that we can avoid that, then, then we do that. And so we sedate. And, and some of the ways that we sedate, we know are, are way more, you know, intense than others. For some, it's, it's, it's hard stuff like, like alcohol or, or drug abuse. For some, it's, it's as simple as I'm just going to, I'm going to binge watch Stranger Things in two days because I just want to emotionally disconnect from, from all that's going on. I want to put myself in a, in a different reality because my reality is just too hard. For some, it's seeking gratification. For some, for me often, my, my reality is when things are out of control in different areas of my life, I try to control the things that I can control even harder and stronger. And often, it's, it's my kids that pay the price on that, right? I become more abrasive. I become more you know, specific. I become more demanding in those areas because I need to have control over something. And so if that's you... If you're in a place of saying, you know what, that's been my response, that's the response I'm in right now, is I've given up or I've given in, and I'm, I'm just trying to sedate and, and try to not have, you know, this feeling in my life. If that's you, my hope, my prayer is that, that you wouldn't leave today without talking to one of the staff here. You can talk to me, that'd be great too, I'd love to talk with you. Uh, but that you wouldn't leave today just doing nothing, Right? And that you'd feel the freedom to say, I, I need some help in this, right? W whether that be some, some medical intervention that's totally appropriate, whether that be a psychologist, psychiatrist. I mean, we've done a disservice oftentimes in, in church circles of saying those things are evidence that you don't have enough faith. And that's just actually wrong. Uh, God uses those systems, that, that medicine. He uses all of it. It's all part of his design of healing and wholeness. And so don't feel like you can't access some of those because it's going to make you out to be less of a firm believer in Jesus, okay? So hear that very clearly. But that's first response to the storm. Secondly, typical response to the storms, I think most common is we try to still the storm by ourselves through our own strength. So we, we fight against it, right? We do everything we can to try and overcome it with our own strength. And we've all been here before, haven't we? A storm in our lives causes us to work harder, to, to, to work longer, to grip tighter on the situation and circumstances in some sort of an attempt to feel as though we're still in total control, only oftentimes to find ourselves more exhausted than we were before and less capable to fight and hard, harder the next day, right? And again, I, I think looking around and seeing you, you're saying with your eyes, yeah, I get it, I've been there. Again, this is my natural response to, to grip tighter, to control more. Again, when everything around me seems out of control, oftentimes I control the things that I can control, my kids, my employees, and so on. I want to do things myself, and I, I try as hard as I can. And what I love about this story, and I hope you, hope you saw it and you get it, is, is that it gives us this picture that there was actually nothing the disciples could do. Right? There's nothing, literally nothing the disciples can do in this situation to alleviate the situation on their own. Okay? Now, I'm certain they tried to do some stuff. 
They probably got the oars out and were trying to paddle towards the shore. I'm sure they tried to steer their boat into the waves rather than side the waves. But beyond that, in this moment, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, surrounded by the chaos of the storm, there was nothing they could do. They were absolutely and utterly helpless. They have no ability to calm a raging storm. They only had one solution to the situation. They didn't know about this solution until they saw it, but their one solution, which is our third response to the storm, is simply that we release control and we trust and we rest and we wait for him to do what only he can do. I believe that this is the invitation that's presented to us within the story. It's the heart behind Jesus' question to them on the boat when he says, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? What do you have to be afraid of? Don't you have faith? It's an invitation to see and believe that God himself has got it. He's got it. He's fully capable. He's fully willing. And beyond that, he's actually fully available to be with you through the storm. Now, I pre-assumed a question in light of all of this that some of us would probably inevitably have in relation to this invitation, and that is, what if God simply doesn't rescue me from the storm? What do I do then? When I, when I lean in, when I, when I reach out, when I, when I try to trust in him, what do I do when it still doesn't happen? What do I do when nothing still seems to change? And so here's my very untheological <laughs> but probably just really practical experience answer that I would give you in the form of another question, okay? So your question is, what do I do if God doesn't rescue me from the storm? My response to you is this. What if your storm just isn't over quite yet? What if it's just, if it's just not over yet? See, I get it. We don't like to be wet, right? We don't like to be tossed about to and fro. Storms in and of themselves are not at all comfortable. But if God is who he says he is, and he's proven that through his incarnation that he's, that he's interested in, that he's invested in our lives, and he understands our circumstances, then the challenge for us is to release and trust and wait, knowing that he will see us through to the other side but also understanding that it, that it always comes in his time and in his way, right? I don't know what the disciples, if they could have fabricated in that moment the solution that they thought would have needed to take place, not knowing at the time that they could, you know, ask Jesus to just speak and the storm would stop. I don't know what they would have asked, right? How they would have fabricated the solution to their situation. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted Jesus to wake up because they'd been paddling and they're tired and it was like, it's time for your shift, buddy, right? Like that might have been literally it. And that was their solution to the problem, right? Because they have finite eyes that see it from an earthly perspective, but, but I, I believe that, that God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a reason. And he'll lead us through, but it, it always comes in his way, not ours. And in his time, not ours. And the terror that the disciples uh, have, it reveals that they have no idea that this is how Jesus is going to solve their situation. But Jesus had a different plan. Because he carries with him a very different authority and power than we have, Right? So my invitation to us this morning, uh, this weekend, is would you be willing to begin to release control and begin to trust and rest, waiting for God to be God? 
And again, I know that like just hearing that, it's, for some it's like, yes, I need that, that's great. For some it's like, this isn't enough, and that's great. If that's you, let's talk, talk to somebody here, like continue that journey of what that's going to look like for you. But, but here's this profound reality that I just want to point us to as we kind of land the plane here, okay? This is the incredible reality of what's available to us. Once we've made it through the storm while resting and trusting in Jesus, okay? So there's, there's a profound invitation, there's a profound promise that's available to us in, a, in another story, another storm story in the scriptures that, that, that's available to us. We see it when we rest and trust in Jesus and then we get through to the other side, okay? And, and what we see is that when that happens, we get to boldly approach. We get to view and see the next storm that's always going to be coming, with a new and greater confidence and vision. So let me show you what I mean. Another story uh, found now in the Gospel of Matthew, okay? Just jump there, and it's just one short story, and we're going to land the plane here. Matthew 14, uh, starting at verse 22. You're going to see a whole lot of similarities in this story to the story that we've already read, okay? So this is a second time. This is later in the ministry and work of Jesus and the disciples. Matthew 14, starting at verse 22. It says this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and in fear they cried out, it's a ghost. <laughs> now again, all of this should sound very familiar. It's very similar circumstances to our first story that we looked at. It's the same fear. Even greater fear now is as they're afraid of this ghost, something that Jewish people just simply would not have believed in, but they see Jesus, they believe it's a ghost. Going on, but Jesus spoke to them at once and said something again very familiar. Don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. I am here. I, I give you my presence. I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come walking to you on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Lord, save me, he shouted. Don't you care that I'm going to drown? Again, very familiar. Terrified by the wind and the waves, he's crying out for help. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they said. See, everything's changed for them now. They're not afraid of this man who has the ability and power to calm the storms. Now it's they're worshipping the son of God. And again, did you notice some of the differences and yet similarities between this story and the first story? 
the exact same place, the Sea of Galilee, the same storm, the same type of fear. However, there's a distinct difference in this story that comes about when they discover who it is that's out on the water coming towards them, at least for one of them. I don't know what was going on in the minds and hearts of the other 11, but for one of the 12, there was a very different emotional response that fueled his actions forward from that moment. You saw it, you heard it. It's courage. See, after Jesus calls out, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here, Peter is able to put the storm in perspective. He's able to see the storm in a very different light than he would have before. He's no longer afraid that their boat is going to sink. Who cares about the boat? (laughs) He's going out on the water. Why? Because he's been here before. He's done this before. This movie's played before him before. And he's actually been brought through the other side faithfully before. By who? By Jesus, the one he sees out on the water. And so I firmly believe that the reason Peter was able to do what he did in the second storm story was a direct tie to the first storm story. Because he had allowed God to be God the first time. He'd allowed God to do what only God can do the first time, to still the storm. And when he saw it, and when he was a part of it, and he came through the other time, then the second time a storm came up, his vision of that storm was now very, very different. His confidence in that moment was very, very different. He wasn't paralyzed by fear. He wasn't clinging to the side of the boat. He wasn't hiding in the hull. Instead, he leans over the edge. He makes absolute certain sure who it is that he's putting his trust fully in. Absolutely. He says, if it's you, if it's you, Jesus, if I, if I know that it's you, then ask for me to come. And then he walks. Only person other than Jesus in the history of the world that's ever been able to walk on water. He steps out of the side of the boat and he goes to Jesus. See, my friends, once we allow ourselves to rest and trust through a storm, we gain confidence and assuredness and hope and strength for the next storm, which is always just around the corner. We know that. My friends, I I believe this changes everything. I mean, is that not the type of response that you long for when it comes to the storms and chaos in your own life? I mean, you know, we know it's not worth trying to fight against them. Whether that be sedating ourselves through it or with futile effort trying to fight it by ourselves, Jesus invites us just to trust, to release, to believe, to have confidence and courage that, that he is bigger, that he is more, and that he is enough. See, God never promised to keep you from the storms. Never. The reality is, is that they're going to come and they're going to always keep coming day after day. But he's promised and shown himself faithful to be with us through all of them. And so the invitation and words from Jesus for us here today are the same. Have no fear. Take courage. I am here. I'm here. I'm not far. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm close to you. I know you. I know your situation. I'm here. My presence is here with you, for you. He's got it. He's got your situation. And he's absolutely bigger than it, stronger than it, and in control of it. He has you. He's with you. And the invitation is simply trust him. And so, friends, whatever it looks like for you, would you, will you try? Trust him. Release, loosen your futile grip and believe that that he cares enough to be with you and lead you through to the other side in his time and by his way. But he's got it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. 
for your word, which has just been so powerfully and faithfully preserved for us that we get to have it, to enjoy it, to be encouraged by it, to be challenged through it. And it's a gift that is a miracle, and we just praise you for it. Thanks for this story, uh, these stories that just paint this profound picture of your humanity and your divinity on just powerful display. But more importantly, your, your presence, God, we just are so grateful for it. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There's nothing we could do on our own to get it, but you just give it. You provide it. Whether we know it or not, whether we think we're far from you or you're far from us, you're here, you're with us. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us in this room that we would, we would know your presence, that we'd experience your presence, that we would sense and, and know and, and experience your whispers, your touch, your grace, your goodness, whether that be through one another in community or that be powerfully from you. And God, just remind us of your presence and not only that, of your goodness and of your ability to do what only you can do pray this in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.